Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome on to Hollinger Duncan. Trade season is upon us here, and we have much to discuss, starting with just the universe of players that we think should be traded. This is will certainly include many that their teams are also looking to move, but maybe also some players that we think teams should move that are not necessarily players that their teams are looking to move. But I, I think the place to start here, John, is just our overall feelings on what the market's going to be like this year. We talked about how things were retarded by the health and safety protocols and all of the issues that teams have had trying to fill in players. But now it seems like we hopefully have most of that in the rearview mirror now and we're moving into trade season. So what are your thoughts on how things are just going to look overall in the trade market this year? So one of the biggest things that's different in the last couple of years is that the play in tournament has made the in-season trade market worse. I don't think there's any question about that uh, because there are more teams who have something to play for and more teams who can, frankly, delude themselves into you know having a parade for themselves at the end of the season if they finish ninth and then luck into the playoffs by winning a, a play-in game against a better team. So because of that, there are fewer pure sellers than we are used to having, especially in a conference like the East where you have 13 teams, well, 12 and a half, depending on how you feel about Indiana, <laughs> at least, that can make a plausible case that, yeah, we have a good chance of finishing in the top 10. Yeah, I would say Indiana definitely has a plausible case there. So, yeah, I think another thing that you can look at in addition is a lot of the contenders don't have that many assets. If you're looking at Brooklyn, L.A., the Lakers, I, I should say, or, or the Clippers for that matter, though they're not really in win-now mode as much, it would seem. But uh, the Bucks. There are a lot of teams yeah. that are really out assets going forward where they've already made their move. Denver has done that too, even though they're uh, obviously a little limited with some of their injuries. But there are a lot of teams that don't really have the ability to kind of go all in. Utah is another team that's out a lot of assets into the future. And then the two teams that do have future assets are so deep that there isn't an obvious upgrade. Golden State and uh, Phoenix. So yeah, it's, I think there is going to be some movement, but not all of it necessarily, I think is going to be the usual sort of moves where it's, Hey, let's get better for this year. This is the guy who's going to put us over the top and get us into championship contention this year. I don't know that that sort of a move necessarily exists. I think we're going to see more moves like kind of the way the Bulls operated last year, where they went after Vooch as sort of the first step in their next off season. Yeah. Yeah. Teams setting themselves up for next year, especially if they're not particularly happy with how this year happened. And then the other move, of course, we're going to see are accounting moves, right? Boston and Portland, I would expect to get under the tax. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, on. yeah, yeah. Now we're getting fired up here for the trade deadline. <laughs> 
Uh, a couple other teams, uh, you know, would help themselves by dropping off minimum contracts that they aren't using at the trade deadline and signing another player in their place. Like Milwaukee could trade like Semi Ojale and Rodney Hood, uh, just, you know, send cash someplace else. And it just lowers their tax bill so much that it's worth it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, we already saw the beginning of that with Utah making the move with Mie Oni yesterday, which was kind of a high price, actually, I thought, for what they did. But they were... They, because- now, they did get a million cash back from Oklahoma City. So they kind of split the baby a little bit on, you know, because you'd say, you know, like the Lakers gave up 1.1 million cash to get rid of the same contract. So... The, the cash value of that draft pick was more than $1.1 million, but Utah got some of it back with the cash they got back from OKC. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. I mean, yeah, OKC kind of ended up buying the pick for- For a discount price, yeah. yeah. Yeah, or, or whatever it ended up being. So let's get to work here. I guess when we're talking about guys who should be traded, obviously the top of that list is Ben Simmons- or is it? Is Should Ben Simmons be traded? I know he's not playing. That would be an indication that he probably should. He doesn't want to be there. That's an indication that he probably should. But also, is there any indication in some of the conversations that you're having? You know, I know there's a report that executives still expect he's going to get traded at the deadline. Do you feel that way? You think it's it's pretty fait accompli that he's going to be traded at the deadline? I'm going to say 70-30 he's traded. I, yeah. I just think there's too much... Uh, too much to lose, kind of by by holding by standing pat for a really uncertain outcome. Is his trade value going to be any higher in the summer? Eh, not really sure. I mean, we already went through an off season cycle. Uh, so, you know, I, obviously they, they want to hold out for like the big name guy, but I, I still don't totally see. How that happens, I guess. I mean, Bradley Beal, for instance, is going to sign a new deal in Washington, right? I guess you can hope that he'd be a sign-and-trade guy, but Philadelphia actually can't acquire him via sign-and-trade unless they cut some money. Um, Then Lillard, it's another interesting scenario there, but I I don't... I guess reading the tea list, I still don't see him pushing his way out yet. No, I mean, it would certainly have heard very, very little about that. And one of the things that you and I have talked about in the past that I think for me might be changing a little bit is I said, hey, this idea, oh, you're wasting a year of Joel's prime. Well, the Sixers haven't actually looked good enough to believe that any return for Ben Simmons is going to put them into the championship conversation or even the conference championship conversation in the East. But with the way Joel is starting to play now, I I may be willing to walk that back a little bit, that he's starting to look these last few games like he looked last year part of that's been he's been hitting his mid-ranger which he wasn't earlier in the season but if he's getting back to the level that he played at in last year's regular season then I think you can talk yourself into no we we can get back there but it's just again and in some ways the emergence of Tyrese Maxey complicates this even more because he is now this young point guard prospect yes you could upgrade on him but would it is there more than an incremental upgrade on him and then you consider what that guy is probably going to be paid as well you know the idea of getting cj mccollum was one that probably appealed much more before maxi emerged as a solid starting point guard for them right now you're committing 30 million dollars more for a maybe upgrade over the next two years i mean when you consider that one you know the the graph on one is going up and the graph on the other is going down probably over the next two years like what are you even gaining on that so it's it will be i i think the Sixers at some point are going to have to be a little more realistic about the return on him because no, 
nobody has seemed willing to pay what they want. Now, could a, I mean, I guess you can hold out for the long shot of like a Lillard Simmons deal, which is, which is probably their plan A. But how, how much time are you willing to sacrifice hoping for that and then having it never come to pass? Well, so that takes us to our next candidate here of guys who should be traded. Should Damian Lillard be traded? Should is Would that be the right move for the Portland Trailblazers? I actually think at this point it would be the right move. Uh, I think I think the only realistic bullet they have left is to reset. Um, I mean, we you know having gone through this in in Memphis with players of roughly the same age. I mean, we we tried to play it out. You know, we tanked the one season. We got Jaron Jackson, and that you know Portland could put themselves in a similar position. But at at the end of the day, it was like it was still it was still over, and Jaron ended up just being part of the next group, right? So. And I think that's what's that's the most likely end game here. Even if Portland ends up with it, they because they could shut down Lillard for the year, end up with a top three pick, and then be like, okay, you know, now we're going to reset. But I think they could do that much more powerfully if they just trade Lillard. Is trade value is probably never going to be higher than it is right now. Um, I mean, I guess the you, you could argue his trade value would still be high if he starts out next year like gangbusters, and then people wouldn't be as worried about this. Uh, uh, this abdominal problem that's that's holding them back, but I I think w- whether it's at the deadline or in the off season, I the time is right to move him. I mean, his he's a 24 expiring, so if you trade him in the summer, he still has two years left. Uh, you're, you're still going to get pretty close to peak value for him, um, which is I mean that's right about where we were with Mike Conley on on the same kind of deal. And once you get past that, the the return you're going to get goes down when you're only, you know, when the guy is seen as more of a rental. Yeah, I touched about this a little bit yesterday on my tour spaces with Danny. To me, not trading him is a much riskier move than trading him. And maybe there's just not the deal out there that they want. But you would think that we for from a team like Philly or New York, those are probably the only two teams that really come to mind that would push in for him but i think they could get the the james harden style of package from either of those teams however you want to add up to that whatever they think simmons is going to be worth etc whereas a if lillard and obviously if lillard can't play and this abdominal thing is a problem for this year then that's going to change and then maybe they do need to hold on to him just until he's healthy but i i think that the concern is number one you're going to wait until the offseason that team may not be there lillard's performance may not be good and then you also he's also going to be extension eligible in this offseason that's also an interesting one too john is if you trade him in the offseason he would not be able to sign an extension until the following summer because he would mm-hmm. have two years left you can only sign him to to the, uh, an extension with two years left in the offseason but he would need to wait six months with the new team until he could do that so if you trade him at the deadline he could actually sign that extension with the new team now does the new team want him to sign that extension i don't know but yeah in but but in theory he would be more interested in going there if he could sign that extension that's what some of the reporting has indicated um obviously it's a risk to the blazers if they have to sign him to that extension and then you're also just in the situation with him where they're just whether it's due to performance i I, and this is the year for lillard too right this age 31 season he can help a team in theory win a championship right now he's only going to get 
worse. So I, I think the risk of his trade value declining is very, very high. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the shooting ability should always be there. Uh, so that, you know, it, it gives you a little bit of a buffer. But this it, this should be about as high as his trade value ever is. And the team, yeah. I mean, the team just isn't like they're just not good right now. I mean, and I think they have to face face reality on that. I'm, I'm not sure they're willing to do it yet. Well, and moreover, if they let's say they hold on to Damian Lillard and they do everything they can to try to build around him in the next two or three years, they trade more draft picks into the future although that's complicated now by this pick that they owe the bulls and they they look like they could be in the lottery for a while that picks lottery protected yeah and but i mean they, to me they've kind of fired all the bullets in the chamber already haven't they they hired a new coach yeah it, that hasn't looked too good so far i don't think chauncey billups to be too high up in our coach rankings when we do them but they tried mm-hmm. that they've tried to trade to upgrade the defense in the front court multiple years in a row with covington and them with nance playing or sending out a total of three first round picks to do that like those moves kind of made sense i thought they were good moves at the time but they haven't particularly moved the needle their defense still sucks and so at this point i think you've you can really feel like all right we've tried everything here and what would you say if you had to guess if they hold on to lillard and just try to build around him still what do you think their best regular season finish is over the next two three years i mean could they maybe get like a seven seed yeah i i don't think they would be in the mix for home court advantage in the west yeah yeah i think that's fair yeah and and at that point then what are we really doing here so again when you look at the risk of dealing him and not dealing him there isn't that big of an opportunity cost to me from dealing him other than just simply this is a franchise legend that we want to retire here but is it worth spending the next four years in the wilderness do that right you keep him around you're maybe not even making the playoffs anyway you're still too good you spend three or four years doing that and then you got a three or four year rebuild after that's over yeah exactly yeah i so i don't see the logic in that i think for portland between this trade deadline and this offseason like it's it's time move on from Lillard and mccollum you know nurkic and covington are expiring contracts that's the other thing i mean they're gonna hit the uh the the bird rights trap because they don't have meaningful cap space but so but Covington and Nurkic will both be free agents you're either forced to re-sign them or you're just using exception money to replace them so it gets gets really difficult just to keep the team at the at the level that it was uh Anthony Simons will also be a restricted free agent so that you're looking at Basically having a fairly expensive and fairly bad team. Yeah. And then you also throw in the opportunity cost of not dealing him is that, I, I mean, maybe you could say, hey, we're going to, we'll hold on to Lillard, but CJ, Nurkic, Larry Nance, Covington, those guys are all available. We can maybe get something for them and we'll save some money for next year. And then we can, you know, get a bunch of expiring contracts for those guys too. But then you have to, you need a center and you need two forwards and you need a shooting guard next to him also. So there's, I don't see that dealing those guys, even if you get some picks that then that doesn't lead you back to being a potential contender next year. So you're now by keeping those guys around and trying to hold on to Lillard too, you're also giving up your potential trade return from those guys. So, I mean, you're really talking about, you know, what is it a total of five first round picks or something that they could get in total by making this decision. Yeah, probably something I along mean, those lines. We, we didn't mention Norman Powell either, but right. I think he has to be on the table too. Sure. Uh, absolutely. So I, I guess we're both in agreement there but it sure as hell doesn't seem like they are headed that way and then this injury potentially throws a a wrench in as well Mm -hmm. 
Anyone who's seen our YouTube videos knows that I don't wear formal stuff all the time. So when it's time to dress up rather than dress down, I highly recommend Inochino. They were the official outfitter of my wedding. I got my tux from there. All my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well. I felt really good about having them be the outfitter of my wedding because all my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly. Because when you go somewhere else, you're not going to get something that's made for you. So why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you. And not only does Indochino have the suits that made them famous, but now they've got everything. Blazers, pants, women's wear, outerwear, designed and made for you. Hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from. European wools, linen, cottons, tons of colors, tons of patterns. You can customize things like the lapel, the vents, the pockets, and you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style. So level up your game with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com and use the code PER. Easy to remember because John invented it. Use PER to get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's 10% off at Indochino. I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O. Indochino.com. And don't forget that PER code to let them know you came from us. I remember after college, before I was going to move on to the next chapter of my life, my buddy and I went to Hilton Head, South Carolina to work some summer jobs and hang out. We had a great time, except for his car. His car was awful. We called it the POS. It was like a 91 Oldsmobile Cutlass Sierra. We're allowed to talk about Oldsmobile now that it's a defunct brand, right? Is that okay? This thing had the turning radius of a World War I battleship, broke down all the time, just a, a miserable vehicle to drive. And when customers are rushing to your store, you want a point of sale system that you can trust, not a real POS like my buddy's car. You need Shopify for retail. It makes it easy to accept payments, manage orders, and build relationships with customers. You can sell in person, backed by everything that you need to sell online, track every sale across your business in one place, know exactly what's in stock, connect with customers in line and online. You can drive in-person store traffic with plug-and-play tools for marketing campaigns on social media. Get great hardware that fits your business, accept credit cards, mobile payments, every other major payment method, all with low fees and transparent pricing starting on day one. Plus, their award-winning help is there to support you every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash PER. All lowercase, easy to remember slash PER because John invented PER. Go to shopify.com slash PER to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash PER. Uh, all right, I'll let you nominate someone here, uh, someone that should be traded. Jeremy Grant. Yes. Good player, right? Not a great player, but a good player. Makes $20 million, signed for next season already. Uh, would be extension eligible in the offseason, yes. uh, I believe. He's on the th second year of a third three-year deal. Uh, Detroit's going nowhere. Seems like, I mean, Detroit could try to retain him in the summer of 23, but I think they would have a, a fight to retain him if the team is still not good. 
So I, I think the the timing fits, I think where, with where the Pistons are and where they're, you know, likely going. I mean, let, let's face it, right? They're trying to get another high pick to put next to Cade Cunningham, trying to rebuild, you know, with these with these this younger cohort. And Grant, I think, helps helps them in the moment, kind of when he was healthy, at least, like for them to play real basketball and have like a go-to guy and let the other players settle into roles. So I don't want to be too dismissive of that. But I think... Right now is a time where you take the W on that contract and parlay it into more draft equity that you're you're probably going to need as you continue to rebuild here. Yeah, I would say on Grant, put him out there. If you can get two first-round picks, you probably do I, it. Two firsts, I think, is the price, yeah. Because yeah, and it, the teams that are trading for him are the teams whose firsts are going to be you know, 22nd or whatever. So you, you need to get two. No, I agree. And if there's only one out there, or you know, uh, maybe a young player you like in a first as well. But I, I mean, I would consider Grant to be pretty equivalent to the guy who replaced him in Denver, ultimately, Aaron Gordon. Gordon, a little bit younger, mm-hmm. I suppose. Yeah. And that was that was two firsts, right? Uh and it was RJ Hampton too, right? Oh, was it was it wait, was it Hampton and one first? Or was it actually was was it two actual firsts and Hampton? I think it was two firsts. I huh. might be wrong. It might have been a first and Hampton. Let me double check that. Because the the similar sort of deal that would be kind of interesting would be Gallinari and Reddish and an Atlanta first. Yeah, that would be interesting. Yeah, Reddish, I think, is you know, probably more valuable than RJ Hampton. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's he's at least shown more. I mean, he's he makes more. You have to pay him sooner, but like you know, at, at the end of the day, you're trying to you're trying to hit on a younger player. He at least gives you the chance to do that. And then Atlanta's pick this year, I mean, might not even be that great. Um, you know, or might not be that high. You mean, yeah, because because they're struggling. Um, or or it might not be that low. I should say. Uh, by the way, that trade, the Gordon trade was Hampton, Denver's lightly protected 2025 first round pick, and also Gary Harris, who is a bad contract. So that was part of the value that okay. Denver got as well was not having to pay Gary Harris twenty million this year and getting to pay Aaron mm-hmm. Gordon instead. So so that that was part of it. So that was definitely uh, you know that that was actually not not as much I think as the Pistons would be looking for for Grant unless you're a big R.J. Hampton believer. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think the D- Detroit you're looking for for the expiring contract and and two firsts or a young player in a first. I th- I think like. Reddish, Reddish plus Atlanta pick plus Gallinari, who has a five million guarantee next year. I don't know. I kind of, I kind of like that for both teams. Well, You'd yeah, probably the, throw in throwing Josh Jackson to even out the money if you needed to. Yeah, I actually wouldn't mind. Although he can't really be traded this year because of the poison pill. Kevin Herter would be a nice fit in Detroit, but yeah, the problem for the Hawks though is they're kind of counting on that Gallinari salary slot coming off the books. So they can uh, not be just in tax held next year. And then they also, in theory, have to extend Hunter out here after that. Um, okay, next. But yeah, that that certainly Jeremy Grant should be traded. I think we're we're in agreement there. And, and he's, he's one of the top guys, I would say, because of the position that he plays. A team might want him in a little smaller role than he's in in Detroit. Yeah. How about the Pacers guys? Man, I, I still don't know what the hell to do with this team. Like, are they... <laughs> Are they coming or going? They have some good players. They're pretty young. I mean, they've had a lot of injuries this year, um, and that's hurt them. You know, their guys have pretty good contracts. It's just like you could say, oh, they need to tear it down and rebuild. But what what does that even like? What does that even look like? They'd have to do like four separate trades too. Um, I don't know. I'm still sort of curious what this team looks like with with TJ Warren 
and Malcolm Brogdon, uh, who we really haven't seen much of. Um, but this the Sabonis Turner thing, I think, has run its course a little. I, w- I would like to see them split up that combo and play with play with one big and four out. Yeah, I, I think I I would like to see that too. To me personally, Sabonis is the guy who should be traded. That politically might be extremely difficult for them to do. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I think Turner though only has one year left after this one. He'll be extension eligible. Sabonis well, has two is, years left. Now the tricky thing with Turner too is that he makes 18 a year so his extension is capped at 21.6 unless you're a room team and can do a um uh, renegotiate and extend on, on him. I don't know if he's going to take 21-6 in an extension. Maybe not. Although you can also, well, yeah, 21-6 to start and then you get 8% raises from there. But you can also just give him a five-year deal when he'll only be 26 next off season. That's true. And and outbid everybody else. I think I, I wouldn't be that worried about that. I think if it works out there, you can you can uh, you can pay him more than anyone else. He's the type of guy where I think you can outbid people. Although, you know, do you want to do that? Obviously, is a concern. But yeah, I so Lavert. I think they would be happy to move. I'm just not really sure what the market is for him. Whether he still has a, any believers or yeah. not. So like the the other thing, Warren too. He makes too little, I think, to extend at this point, and because he only makes twelve seven. Yeah, you're gonna have to year. resign him as a free agent yeah but we don't know when he's going to be back so can you really get anything for him in trade you know i don't see a team giving up a first round pick unless he's back before the deadline which yeah. it, but quick, quick aside here lillard is part of this dante divincenzo who we'll probably talk about later is part of this he just hurt the same ankle he's out two to three weeks just mm-hmm. having come back from that long absence due to the foot surgery and warren is part of this too trading for a guy like that that you just haven't seen in a while is that just a straight up no go as a front office it probably is because the other team's only going to offer you 60 cents on the dollar because they're really concerned and their their thought process is what do you know that i don't know that is making you willing to trade him right now and then just the from a risk perspective like you just you just look like shit if the guy turns out to just be injured after you get him and then your owner starts asking a lot of questions and your job is much less secure it's just not worth it uh so generally guys like that become extremely difficult to trade yeah i i would think so i think it'd be pretty difficult you know if you're a team that has a pick between 25 and 30 in the first round and hit the medical report that you get on warren says he can return this year all right maybe it's worth the risk at that point but you wouldn't want to go more than that and it's probably not worth it for the pacers at that point because they probably like the guy and want to resign him. He plays a pretty valuable position. Yeah, and even getting to the point of getting that medical report takes some doing, right? Like you're because on the team side, like you're not just giving that up to anybody. Um, yeah, you know, it's your own proprietary information. You you basically want to have all the terms agreed to, and then contact the other team and say, okay, here's a medical. You have 24 hours to look it over. Let us know what you think, and and we'll do a deal or not. So that that's really very late when that comes in. Interesting. Yeah, I guess you can relate what it said what what you're going to say you can you can tell them and especially that's where trust comes in between front offices too if you have relationships and know people you can kind of say look it's we've seen the report it's it's going to be fine we'll send it to you but trust us that it's going to be okay Uh, yeah remember the the sixers ended up getting penalized for the drew holiday not being forthcoming enough uh, 
in the league's judgment and the Pelican's judgment, certainly when that trade was made. And that is, so that's the other element of it, that the player still has to go through the physical for 48 hours and you have to report everything you know on the trade call. The problem is from the team side, by the time you do that, the cat's out of the bag. Like the guys on your team know you tried to trade them. So like you can't, it's hard to unwind the trade at that point. So that that's why you need that information ahead of time. Yeah, I remember the Donatus Muniunis situation in Detroit, which, by the way, Detroit absolutely made the right move by rescinding that trade. I think it was I'm, a first-round pick that I'm they gave up for I'm between the, oh, there was a trade with Muniunis and there was a free agency with Brooklyn, right? Yes. That's what it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the they, trade the they, trade they, they rescinded the trade because of his back, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Which was the right move, as it turned out, because he never really did much after that. Okay. So mm-hmm. some other guys here... I, well, so so you're the Pacers. Are you're just gonna kind of listen on all these guys, basically? But there's no one that you're specifically like, oh, we have to move this guy. It makes the most sense. Yeah, I don't really, I don't really say. I mean, other than Levert, who I think just isn't that good. Uh, I mean, the the other guys, I think you just you, you have to listen. Um, you know, Brogdon can't be traded right now. Uh, these, you know, they're secondary guys. Like I, Justin Holiday is a guy to me that could help a good team and is signed for next year for six million. Like I think he's a little bit interesting. He's not going to get your first round pick though no no and at that point why don't you just hold on to him for next year right yeah yeah um okay give me some more people here that we need to talk about so some controversial ones maybe uh because we're obviously at the pace we're going we'll do another one of these where we kind of get into the like obvious candidates last year their deal type of guys who like should obviously be moved but give me a, another kind of controversial one that we can get into here I'm trying to think who's who's controversial. James Wiseman. Yeah, that that just the Warriors guys in general, Kamingo, Wiseman, Moody. I don't know if you want to throw Jordan Poole into that mix. He's starting for them and helping them a lot right now, too. But I, I helping just, them and helping them as a cheap guy, which is yeah. important for where they are financially. But honestly, I don't think I would unless it was for you know, I guess who? Bradley Beal, I guess. The the Warriors also like their tax bill is so high right now that I don't think and also Andrew Wiggins is really really helping them right now too like the the all-star talk let's hit the brakes on that but yeah he also like are they a better team with bradley beal than andrew wiggins this year maybe going forward they are but i don't know about this year yeah and then obviously clay's gonna come back and play that spot so yeah well and they got to figure out how what what clay is now at this point too i think you can't make a move maybe they'll they'll have about a month's worth of time if he comes back on january 9th even that probably is not enough time to really see but i I think they're so deep right now as you wrote about and we've talked about on on this show that they don't really have an obvious spot to upgrade and they have these guys who are going to be part of the future but it just it doesn't unless there's just a real true difference maker out there but i just don't know who that would be like lillard's not a fit there obviously jalen brown possibly would that be maybe that would be a guy that i'm surprised i'm surprised by the name you're not mentioning which is who harrison barnes yeah i don't think Barnes is barnes that much better than what Otto porter is giving them that you want to give up one of these three young guys now well I, I mean, Wiseman, but Barnes yeah. will be upright in June. Yeah, I think it's again. I I see the thought on that, but it just for this team, I think they've got their drafts going forward as well. They've got these young guys. They're the best team in basketball, and they don't really have any holes. Yeah. So it's I just don't really see why they would move any of those guys at this point in time. Now, if there's an injury, okay, then I think because then I think you got to really maximize this. But there are there if they're not the favorite, they're probably a co-favorite right now, depending on what happens in Brooklyn and you know, how Milwaukee can fill out their depth and stuff. And but I mean. I think they're I would give them a slight edge right now over a Utah 
Utah and Phoenix in the West. I would I would agree with that. Yeah, I I think that that Utah game this last weekend really kind of underscored that to me. That if, even with that even without Draymond, they were just they were hard for Utah to guard. Uh, and, you know, Steph wasn't even that that great in that game. And I th- until Utah, I mean Utah can make moves too. Obviously, maybe they do something to make themselves a little more solid on the perimeter uh, defensively, so their guys aren't just getting cooked left and right and leaving Gobert to play one against five. Um, so th- there are things they could do, but I just think Golden State has the advantage right now if you lay out how a playoff series might go. Yeah, uh, Golden State had some shooting luck. Jazz shot it poorly. You know, I, I don't think that's like that game is a indication that Utah just like can't beat them and they're drawing dead, but obviously it was discouraging for them. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. And and Utah is one of these teams. They're certainly, you would think a Jeremy Grant team, but they're the first pick they can trade is 2026. I mean, they could trade in theory two firsts that would hopefully, you know, the, that pick they owe in 24 to OKC is top 10 protected. So would two, a 26 and 28 Utah first and Joe Ingles, is that enough for Detroit to move Jeremy Grant? Would there be better offers out there than that? That's an interesting question. Yeah, I mean, I think it would be pretty easy for them at this point to renegotiate the pick protection with Memphis. It's top six this year. Like Memphis is getting their pick this year. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, or actually, you don't even need to do that. Actually, you no, just say no. first available in the trade call, and right. so it becomes twenty four and twenty six at that point. So Bradley Beal should Bradley Beal be traded? I've been talking about this since the summer of twenty nineteen. I think I think at this point you you you've gone this far. You might actually be okay keeping him. I, well, I think I don't also know, I don't part know what you're getting what yeah. you're getting for him as as a perceived rental. And unless you really know he's going to re-sign that five year deal, um, I I think you worry about that. I think if you're Washington, he, he'll sign the five year deal to stay in Washington. I think I, I don't know that for a fact. I just I feel like that's probably where it's going. I think where players have leaned lately is get the bag first, agitate later, and yeah. I, so I could totally see him doing that. And he's young enough that he'll still retain trade value. So I don't think it's as urgent for Washington to do that. Yeah, and they're also, I don't think there's the offer. You don't have that whole draft hardened type offer out there for him at this point in time with only one year left. Now, if you're Washington, you may be a little less interested in that five-year deal. You might see how the rest of this year plays out. He's starting to play better lately, but the under 30% from three is a little disturbing. But the other thing too is there isn't a cap space team that he's going to want to go to in the off season, and especially for one fewer guaranteed years. So yeah. at a minimum, you can, I think, recoup something in a side and trade if he truly does exactly even if he decide he wanted out you're getting something in a sign and trade with him yeah so i i i don't i don't see that as a i actually thought the case was stronger a year or two ago when he had more sure. time left on his deal and could have really gotten that hardened level offer i i think uh that that was that was the time to strike and now that that moment has passed i think you try to play play this out a little longer if you're washington i i still think the movie ends the same way probably but you never know let's let's see yeah and i think the tommy shepherd has shown some encouraging ability to make some moves around the margins and you know again li- like we we're talking about with lillard and lillard i think is better than beal has been better than beal that where are you going with bradley beal as your best player not very mm-hmm. far you know you're a six seed probably at the most even if you put the right pieces around him so it's not it's not that exciting to hold on to him but the, he's a guy who wants to he, he also has the mentality of kind of wanting to be a franchise icon and, and 
stay there also. So yeah, and then they're just uh, who is the team that's going to give up a lot for Bradley Beal right now, right? If you would you, I don't think Boston would want to trade for him even to pair Beal and Tatum because since they're buddies, would want to trade yeah. Jalen Brown for him. Yeah, I don't, I don't think so either. And that's, I mean, that's the one that people have talked about is could Beal force his way to Boston somehow? It would actually be really hard. I mean, with Boston's situation and the sign and trade limitations on tax teams, like there's there's a lot of moving parts there for him to like even if he wanted to get to Boston it gets it gets really tricky yeah now would Boston could they hold on to Tatum and Brown and also get Beal could you do that is that a possibility uh, uh, Al Horford is the matching salary yeah I mean the problem is then you you probably got to trade Josh Richardson or something you got to get under the apron that's that's the thing you're dealing with well um, no I'm, I'm talking about at this deadline Oh, I see. Okay. Okay. So yeah, I mean, you can have Al Horford as the salary match, I guess. Uh, uh, what what else are you putting out there as the inducement? Yeah, I mean, you're, you're then you're just you're going with your whole draft going forward. That's that. It would have to just be that, pretty much. I think it would be one pretty of those much. Sorts of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And th- they're actually out a bunch of seconds, so it pretty much just be yeah, first first and pick swaps. And yeah, and and you know, if I'm Boston, I, I'm much more excited about going all in for. Lillard than for Beal because I mean the problem in Boston right now is that the ball is a is a little sticky right and yeah. so Beal doesn't really cure that and I, you know having somebody who's more of a true point guard slash distributor I think that's really the thing they're missing yeah although Lillard the Blazers have been like last in the NBA in passes per game basically I think the whole time Lillard has been there maybe not every year but close to the bottom they've but yeah that yeah Lillard has a higher upside Beal though at only 28 you could kind of lock your you don't have the issue where his neck contract will probably end up being a bad contract but it won't be right at the beginning i think i'd probably yeah. rather actually have beal and they can they can run him off some screens like i think he actually does provide just a little bit of offensive movement in the half court as to just work off the ball a little bit more he's not as much of a has to have the ball in his hands guy as lillard but it'd be, it'd be nice if he shot it a little better i don't know that's i don't i don't think washington if you're the wizards and boston comes to you with that offer you're gonna do it i think i actually would do it but i I don't think they would. I I might not. Well, where, as we talked about, I, where are you going with with Beal re-signed on that five year deal? Same thing. I'll ask you the same question that I that I asked about Lillard. Like, where? What is your best guess for your best Washington Wizards season building around Bradley Beal in the next five years? It's it's probably a five hundred ish team, but there's more variance around that answer for Washington to me. They have more opportunity ahead of them to do stuff that elevates them, whether it's hitting on draft picks or young. Guys guys or Denny FD ends up better than we thought or they they make another trade because they have some flexibility now to do some stuff so I I think there's because there's more variance around that answer for Washington I guess I'm a little more optimistic about what keeping Beal could look like at the higher end I still would say there's like a 20% chance if that that they get a top four seasons in the next five years building around Beal and zero percent chance of championship unless like they could get some star to want to come there and join him that would be the only way I could I would think about it but that seems unlikely what if they got Jalen Brown to join him? Wouldn't that be ironic? <laughs> yeah, in, in two years. Yeah, I mean, so that I we've talked about this before. Of should they trade Jalen Brown? And I, I guess a, a question is just: Is there some team that would be like where they're going to give up their whole draft for Jalen Brown? And would that be worth it for the Celtics? You know, like a, a team like the Hawks or a team. I, I don't know who else. Who else? Memphis. Would be in that mix. 
Yeah, that's an interesting one. That's a very interesting one. But but if you're Boston, do you want to do that? I I think I'd rather just keep Jalen Brown and try to try to make it work with him and Tate. Like you have two young wings in a prime. Like the only Jalen Brown trade that I would probably think about is Ben Simmons, where I'm getting another young all star ish type player. All star ish, yes. We we I mean we've argued about his value before, so I want to kind of <laughs> set set that part aside a little bit. But I I, I just had to get that in for for people who may not may not have been listening at those times yeah i i think to me if i'm the celtics they really haven't had this group this full group together at all and i think that if you can play at a 50 win pace the rest of this year with brown and tatum and they both look good they maybe they look a little better together you can get your defense up pretty high those guys are still young enough you've got some other young pieces robert williams as well and hopefully and just see how it goes the rest of this year and if it really looks like it's not working and those guys are healthy and you just play continue to play 500 ball and then you think about maybe extending Jalen Brown and he's not interested which he's eligible for this offseason then you can make the move in the summer he's a guy where I don't know that his value is that much lower now than it is in the summer and I I would want that information of how good those guys look let's play a playoff series so we get in with those two guys see how that looks as yeah. well I actually think the tipping point on a Brown trade is next trade deadline when he's one and a half years out yeah well I'm, I mean and maybe he'll be just extended at, at that point he doesn't necessarily seem like the guy who would extend I think he he would because they they could offer him three more years at this point and I think it would be a little bit less than the max starting off so he, he might yeah. not be too interested in that like yeah he would be he could get 39 million to start in that year and he would start at I don't know, whatever 20 percent of 30 million is so uh he would start at like 36 so he'd be starting about two year or uh three million less than the max yeah on and an his, extension and his extension i believe would have these same whack incentives in it that his current contract has yeah that's a good point too yeah it would, it would have to reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest but let me play devil's advocate here let's see so no that's a good thing uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem uh, reese's you did it you stumped this charming devil at bet365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every basket every game every point every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, this, is, this has been good. Any other kind of controversial guys who should be traded? Oh, here's one I really wanted to talk about. Okay. Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson with Dallas. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Because you kind of got a decision to make with him, right? Because he's going to yeah. be, I think he's going to be like a $20 million player this summer. I mean, he's been that good. So obviously for Dallas, that creates some issues. It puts you in the tax. So you really got to think about, are you are you all in on like Brunson, Doncic, Porzingis, or is there another direction you want to go maybe? Uh, at the same time, like what's, is there a team willing to put two firsts on the table for Jalen Brunson? Yeah, that's about what it would be, right? And, but, and, and I think, but your other question is just, can those guys play together? Because if you, in theory, if you hold on to him, you're going to pay him. And now you're like, hey, this Brunson, Doncic, Porzingis core. Now, Brunson could potentially be tradable on his next deal as well. That's that's something that you might consider. Brunson and, and Doncic, the, the fit between 
them. It's not like they can both shoot some, but they're both kind of need the ball, like to probe around a lot. Now, Brunson is valuable when Doncic is off the floor, which is something that's very important to them, of course. And he did have a bad playoffs last year, but it was a tough matchup. And I don't want to go crazy based on a seven game series against a really good defensive team that has a lot of athletes. But it is interesting because under normal conception, you'd be like, hey, this is we don't want to pay this guy 20 million a year. We should move him now. But there also isn't really a team, I think, that's a cap space team that would be like super into him. Maybe Detroit would be really into him. OKC, probably not interested. Orlando, probably not interested. San Antonio. The other other thing is he's unrestricted, right? Like he could just go. Oh, yeah. No, that's that's certainly true. But it's just who's going to pay him 20 million that now there might be a team that wants to sign and trade for him again. And maybe Dallas could get something there but they wouldn't i don't think they would get as much in a sign and trade you might get like one first round pick in a sign and trade yeah for him. exactly yeah and you gotta you gotta take back something that's probably gonna be undesirable in that sign and trade as well whereas some of these other teams that that we're talking about they don't mind that as much yeah he's, so yeah so how, how would you handle with them with him i think you you gotta at least put him out there and listen a little bit right yeah to see see what's out there i mean i i don't know that they're gonna get blown away by offers so th- the answer may be i mean the the decision may be made for them on some level when that happens uh you know who's who's the team that that wants them enough to to also have them around for next year at a much higher number uh could there be something there with minnesota maybe does he fit there i mean you already got russell and edwards um yeah i wouldn't say so what about is there any way that denver nuggets could get in on him interesting uh i think the tax hit next year is just too brutal yeah it would be um yeah and, and michael porter jr can't be traded really that's a, I, that, w- that would have yeah. been an interesting thought i would kind of like the fit of porter jr and and luca and that's th- probably I not enough that, for denver that contract is completely radioactive right now yeah I, i'm i'm actually like my skin is starting to slough off even talking about it honestly <laughs> I just uh, I'm going to need to like go into like the silkwood showers after this. Uh, um, New York Knicks for Brunson. Yeah. Yeah. They don't really have the solution at point guard at the moment. They have a couple of extra first round picks. They got that Charlotte pick. They have Dallas's own pick uh, as well. Might be nice for Dallas to get that pick back so that they can then make other moves. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Tom Thibodeau is very, I think was Rick Brunson on Tom Thibodeau's staff at one point. I he might've been. He very well might've been, might've been on his actual team at one point. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, try, I'm trying to remember if he if he no nah, he had to be retired before Thibodeau got there uh, to Chicago. Yeah, I think yeah. I think it was. But in any event, yeah, that's an interesting one. That I I you know, but the Knicks, I think they also have bigger fish to fry. I don't think they want to give up these this future draft capital. Also, the Knicks draft pretty damn well. By the way, they might want to actually just use some picks. They've they found some pretty good guys late in the first round. Yeah, um, and they have they have the ability to do that again this year or potentially do. I guess that Charlotte pick is top eighteen protected this year, so I guess probably won't get that for a little bit longer. But that it's it's an interesting one for them uh, because he's not the, the Knicks are like you see. There's like this win now part of them, but they've been kind of they've been pretty good about hedging their bets and kind of keeping some stuff off to the side in case they need to take a big swing. So I don't know if they cut into that too much by making a move for Brunson who at the end of the day I mean it's a it's a it's still a second 
secondary move for their roster. Anyone else you wanted to talk about here? We've got like five minutes left before we get into uh, the Twitter Spaces question. So thanks to everyone who got your speaker requests in. Oh, uh, I, yeah, my uh, my favorite uh, fake trade. Uh, if the Thunder do nothing else, uh, Ricky Rubio and five and a half million dollars cash to Oklahoma City. Just for nothing? Uh, yeah, this, this would be on deadline day if 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 they didn't have anything else. The, Oklahoma City is so short of the cap floor that basically basically they would they would turn a pure profit in the cash that Cleveland gave them but Cleveland would also make money by moving off of Rubio's contract they'd they'd still owe him uh several million at that point um and it would also move Cleveland far enough from the tax line and they'd get a huge trade exception out of it so i th- th- that's why maybe maybe Cleveland has to throw in a second round pick um which maybe they do if they if they are getting something back in another trade that adds salary. There, so there's some moving parts there. But I think that's one to keep an eye on. Yeah, OKC being so far below the salary floor and their trade exceptions expire to the point where they will actually have to technically get below the cap in about a month anyway, I believe. So yes, but the, I mean, there's going to be a lot of teams that will want to make moves like that, right? Like you could see Portland, you could see Boston wanting to do that. I think the, the bidding yeah. might get a lot higher than just w- what you're talking about there. Also, Cleveland, I think they want to hold on to Ricky Rubio's bird rights, I would say, although I could see the tricky. motivation there. Yeah, it, it yeah. gets tricky because they'll still need a backup point guard to start next year. Maybe that's just Colin Sexton. And then Rubio comes back at midseason. Who knows what they would be willing to, to pay him as well? I mean, that Rubio, I think, was going to get paid by Cleveland. And it's really pretty devastating to suffer that injury. Yeah. That, was, that was one of the more bummer in, in recent yeah. vintage. Um, in players who should be traded, we didn't talk about Wancho earning Gomez, but if Boston does nothing else, I mean, moving his salary to Oklahoma City gets them just under. So that yeah, that that seems like one that's kind of sitting out there waiting to be exploited. No, I would I would agree with you on that. I'm trying to think of any more controversial players. I don't know if this is necessarily Harrison Barnes is is the one yeah. where I think people wrestle with it. Yeah, I mean between Barnes, Holmes, and Buddy Heald, I think you can you can make the argument that Sacramento needs to just totally reset here, and you could still. I, I mean, given how good they are right now, it's like you can hold on to Fox and Halliburton, who are really the guys who matter for your future. Get a bunch more assets, and are you really going to be that much worse in the end? Yeah, like it's probably uh, good to be that much worse this year. You can improve your own pick if you wanted to trade healed and barnes and Holmes, you know could you come up with three to four first round picks between those guys well i i think you're getting zero for healed but i the people seem to believe that healed has value honestly like the the and his salary does decline i i i agree with you i think he's massively overpaid but the lakers were apparently willing to trade what was it kuzma and harrell and a first to get healed now the lakers are the lakers but there, there seems to be this idea that Heald has some value. I, I agree with you. I, I'm mystified. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I guess I, uh, it depends. I guess it depends what the matching salaries are. Because if you're just sending garbage, then you probably and you're a contending team and your picks in the twenties. That then maybe it's more plausible that you would include a first. Uh, I might hang on to Rashawn Holmes. Yeah, I guess it just depends. And I don't know that there's a team that's super excited about trading a first that's, for Holmes right now. That That's the thing. I mean, 
Yeah, but Barnes Barnes to me is the one where you're gonna get you're gonna get two two firsts for him, presumably. I, I think there's a lot of teams that would be interested in him and could use him. Um, do you like him or Grant better? Depends on the team. You see, I, I think if I need a three, I prefer Grant more. I actually had this debate with Chris Kirshner, who our Hawks writer, in a thing we wrote today. Um I like Grant better for the Hawks because I think he's a little better, more capable of defending on the perimeter, which is what yeah. Atlanta needs. Um I like him a little better for for Utah for the same reason. I like Barnes better for teams who need more of a four and need more shooting uh, because those obviously are his strengths. Uh, so like Barnes with the Lakers, oh my goodness. Um, so it, it sort of depends on the team and the fit. Uh, yeah, T- THT, none, and 2027 or 2028. Ooh, maybe they could do a deferment for 27 or 28 with the Lakers. So you know the Lakers <laughs> love to do that. <laughs> Oh yeah, that that'd be amazing to have another deferment. Um, I yeah, unfortunately, I I think even that is probably gonna that offer is probably gonna underwhelm the uh, the Kings. I think they'll probably have better offers to choose from if if they want to do this. But yeah, and then Barnes is a value contract for next year at eighteen. But actually, the Kings would be a room team at that point if they made that trade, so they would have some options for for this coming off season. Yeah, I think that, to me everything should be on the table right now for the Kings. I I mean, the other thing would be, do you revisit De'Aaron Fox for Ben Simmons? Yeah, which is kind of interesting, but man, I, I don't know. I, I get some bad juju off the idea of, of Ben Simmons in Sacramento. I don't know. I... <sighs> Uh, really is there's something about the way that he's uh, conducted himself that makes you think that going to an organization with that kind of culture might might not be great might not be the greatest thing yeah yeah and and who knows right maybe the 97th new coach that Sacramento has had in the last 10 years can change things this offseason but it's just and I know they'd throw a parade for getting the 10th seed but man when we do our future power rankings which we'll probably do I'm guessing after the trade deadline I Sacramento may not be too high yeah yeah. Oh, I, I think I have another controversial one for you. Okay. Yeah. Let's finish up with that. Actually, actually, uh, I have two, but. Okay. No, we, we got time. Let's go. Okay. First one, Derek White. Ooh, that is interesting. Make, if you the, can make get the case two, for why the Spurs should move him. Two firsts or like a Cam Reddish in one first, say. Um, why the Spurs should, they don't have any urgency to do it, but Derek White is a win now player. I mean, if you look at his age yeah. and uh, the, the Spurs are a win later team and his contract is really good. So I, I do think they'd be able to get some really good offers right now. Uh, and I, Well, I mean, he is shooting 29% from three. Yeah, but I mean, he at least has a track record, right? Like he's- A he's little not, bit. He's really he, only hit, and I believe me, I was in love with Derek White, I, I realize that, so I'm being a little bit devil's advocate here. But his career, I guess he's career 34. percent Yeah, last year he was 6.83s a game, 35. percent That's not terrible. He was hitting a ton in the bubble. Like he's at least been pretty aggressive shooting him, and he's good. He's just like a solid starting two guard. Could maybe play a little one. I, I just don't. Are teams really going to be that interested in him though? That's that's my question. I I wonder about that too because I think they like a little more. Like he's he's a completely unsexy player. So I I think unfortunately that. Does does probably hurt his trade value some but well i don't I mean, know if you if you love jumping in front of people and falling down he's about the sexiest player in the league <laughs>
<laughs> well, that is true. He's also among guards. I mean, definitely one of the top two or three rim protectors among guards. Yeah, no, absolutely. Between the charges and he averages uh, you know, pretty close to a block a game for, yeah. his, for his career in incredible, 26 minutes a game. Incredible knack for shot blocking. Um, And no, I, I, I like him. I thought that he's a guy that Philly should really can have considered yeah. as, as someone maybe to try to get back in the Ben Simmons deal. They obviously are shooting higher than something like that still. Um, okay. Who's your, who's your last guy? Pascal Siakam. Pascal Siakam should be traded. He's played pretty well lately. Do you want to at least see what this crazy starting lineup can do if you're Toronto? I, I am very interested to find that out. I'm interested too. I just think there's so much skill overlap there that it, I don't know. I, I, I feel like inevitably you need, you need something different than what Ananobi and Barnes are. And Siakam is a little too similar. He's the oldest of the bunch. He makes the most money. I do think he's, he's a type of guy, the right contender is going to be willing to give up a lot for. And it, yeah, I mean, do you really want to ride contender? Who's the right contender? Well, I can obviously go to, would you trade Siakam for Ben Simmons? Um, How how about Siakam for Sabonis? Ooh, that's kind of interesting. I would like Siakam's fit next to Miles Turner quite a bit. That is kind of interesting. There's, there's Indiana would have to throw in some salary riffraff, but they can get there. Um, Well, and, and much as I've been critical of Sabonis, putting Barnes and Ananobi next to him helps you deal with his defensive limitations. Exactly. Exactly. And then you have a, you have an offensive fulcrum and you can run so that that might be a nice deal that's that's kind of i kind of like that one i kind of like that one indiana gets a little expensive in the out years so they they'd have to manage that but that that one is kind of interesting yeah you could that's sabonis could run pick and roll with van vliet you don't want to switch sabonis because he'll mash you in the post and then he can do some of that elbow facilitating maybe to unlock Barnes and Ananobi flying out of the corners, coming off handoffs. That, that, yeah. Much as I am not a Sabonis guy, I I think that might be the best fit for him. That's a now, who, that, who's, that who's is gonna, that is one that is yeah. one of my favorite fake trades. I think. I think now Indiana is probably going to say, "What are you giving us, Toronto?" In addition to Siakam, because Siakam makes more, and he probably is has. I think they're actually relatively equivalent value of players, even though they're totally different. But I think Indiana is going to say, "Hey, this is a two time All Star making eighteen million and Siakam is totally overpaid. He's making almost double what Sabonis made. Mm-hmm. Plus, we have to give up Karis LeVert to make the money work. And we don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, that that part that part could get a, a little interesting. Can I interest yeah. you in a lightly used Precious Achua? Oof, yeah. Uh, I, I need to do a film study on how he has forty three percent true shooting this year. That's <laughs> that's gonna that's gonna be ugly. That's that's right up there with watching like James Wiseman turnovers and Mason Plumley post ups among the like the ultimate film punishments. <laughs> Goga Batadze pick and roll defense. Yeah. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 
21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Uh, okay, let's let's get into some questions here. And yeah. let's begin here with Kayo. Are you there? Let's see. I know people have been waiting around for a while here, so sometimes we... Oh, there he is. What's up, man? All right, Kyle, you are muted at the moment. All right, let me try. Stay muted then, Kyle. We'll come back to you. Let's try Hendrick. Hendrick, you are muted as well if you want to jump in. Hey, Happy New Year, you guys. Hey, hey. same to you, Hendrick. Um, I, all right, I want to nail you. I want to pin you down here on an actual number for this question. Um, oh, man, okay. What is seven? What are the odds that the Grizzlies win a championship in the next five years, and what would the odds be if the franchise was magically transported to New York or L.A.? Hmm. So I'd say the odds of any team winning a championship are always fairly low because it's only right only 3% of yeah. teams win each year. Um, and the Grizzlies, I mean, do they have a top five player in the league right now? Could they have one? And could Ja be he reach that level at some point in the future? I guess maybe. Um, uh, yeah, it's, he's looking pretty damn good lately. I, I mean, but again, the bar is high for what I just said, right? No, um, I, I agree. I would put it in the uh, maybe the six percent range. Like, well, so number one, yeah. John, we know at least they're going to be trying over the next which is five important. Years. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right. So, yeah. So yep. among among teams, so your odds of winning a championship if you're actually trying are probably higher than three percent because there are some teams that just aren't even trying. So, yeah, I would put it in like the six percent range. And then if they were in L.A. or New York, you know, probably fifteen percent maybe because they would it, you could get a superstar to join Ja and Jaron and that would that would be, be that would incredible. be the thing yeah that they that they could get somebody to team up with them at that point um is, is that was that uh are we sufficiently pinned down here for you yeah, you you're pinned down well I, it just saddens me because I think you know suppose Carl Anthony Towns uh you know demanded a trade which is a Minnesota fans I'm not hoping for that but if he did do that you know I would love to see him and John. I feel like Jaron Jackson could get you there, get you in the conversation. But it's just like, really, I don't know how realistic it is that he would actually uh, be willing to go there. Yeah, yeah. I don't no. even know if Towns is the guy who like li- lifts them to the trophy. Um, I, you know, you know I, I, I think their their defense. Yeah, Ja, Ja, and Towns as your pick and roll defense combination might might not be amazing. I mean, those, I can't think of a, a better fit offensively than those two guys running pick and roll, basically in the whole league. Though, I mean, that would be Towns spacing the floor for Ja, who's already among the league leaders in points in the paint, and that's and you're not going to switch against either of those guys. Like, yeah, that would be especially if you put decent shooting around them. That would be completely. That would be one of the the best offenses in the league. But I do, I do think John, we hit on this a little bit. You mentioned Jalen Brown. I mentioned the possibility for memphis to be aggressive here at the trade deadline and yeah. I, I think particularly with jaw and the style that he has and i hate to compare him to derrick rose from an injury standpoint i'd love to compare him to derrick rose from an excitement and a skill standpoint their window could be earlier than we think i might actually and particularly because they have these other picks that are, that are out there these extra picks going forward I think I'd be pretty aggressive if I were them going after someone like Miles Turner or even Jalen Brown, potentially. I don't know if it would, if like a Jeremy Grant type, I don't know that I would be as aggressive for that level of guy, but someone who's just that kind of sub all-star player, but young enough to maybe you still emerge into an all-star. Like I, I would try to be extremely aggressive on that sort of player. Yeah. Uh, Jalen Brown, certainly. I mean, they, 
I, you could see in the moves they've made in the last two years, they're trying so hard to hit on a big wing. Right. And uh, they haven't yet, but they're, they're still trying. And yeah, I could I could totally see them pushing. You know, they have expiring contracts. They have cap room next year. Like they have future picks. They have all their own picks. Like they have a lot of assets to do zeals. Obviously, they have Zaire Williams, who was just the 10th pick. Um, they have a lot of ways they can go in terms of putting guys into a deal to get that guy. And I think they're really looking for a true three, um, which is ironic because that was the one thing we were looking for for seven years in Memphis that we never quite got. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or even, you know, a, a hybrid, a combo forward type who could start at the three, but then also shift to the four in the closing lineup as well. And then you could have Brooks and Bain and whoever that guy is at the four and then Jaron at the five. That'd be pretty impressive. Um, yeah. All right. Let's, let's, let's see if we can get Kyle back in here. Uh, if you, if you want to unmute Kyle, if you're there. All right. I guess he's, he's not there still. Let's bring in, oh, we got a ton of these here. Let's bring in uh, Haber. Haber Costa, you are now on with us here. What do you got for us, Haber? Hi. Uh, I was thinking of a trade here. Uh, what do you think about Dallas sending Dwight Powell and Bronson to Atlanta? And uh, Atlanta sending Radish and Dallon Wright to the, the Pistons. And Dallas getting Jeremy Grant. Also, Dallas would send uh, Colin Stein for salary purposes. And uh, a pick going from Dallas to the Pistons. I think uh, Atlanta has a really uh, a problem with uh, the back, back, uh, the backup back, back point guard, yeah. Yeah, backup point guard has hurt them. The problem, the tricky thing when you need a backup point guard, but it's only an eight-minute-a-game role in the playoffs, is you don't want to play pay $20 million for that role. You know, so are you going to play Brunson next to Young for 20-plus minutes a game? I, I don't really see that happening. So, like, if Atlanta makes a move with that kind of asset combo, where whether it's Reddish and you know, plus expiring, plus pick or whatever. They're going for somebody who can play defense against NBA wings. Like that, that is the thing where they're just getting killed right now. Yeah, I think I think ultimately I that's just not the big hole that it that Atlanta has. And then do you want to re-sign Brunson? We were talking about him earlier for twenty million a year. So I, I I the general concept I think is decent, but I think that's where that one would break down for me. So um all right, let's bring in Bill Cipher. Bill Cipher, what do you got for us? Hello. Hey, what's going on, Bill? Hey, uh, um I had a question about um how the how the Mavs could actually improve without trading away Porzingis or Brunson and obviously not not Luca could they do something um involving Tim Hardaway because he's you know he's had a down year or could they pot like it's tough because the trade for player exception that they have is I think only like 10.9 so it's very hard for them to fit like a good player underneath that that's available to get that but do you guys have any ideas about either of those I think it's going to be hard for him. Um, I think they would probably like to trade Dwight Powell and get that $11 million off their book next year, but I don't really see a market for him. Uh, you know, Collie Stein is a $4 million expiring who hardly plays. I don't know. I mean, they may end up straight waving him to sign another player here. We'll see. Uh, you still got Boban hanging out, but like n- none of that is really like none of that is really moving the needle to get them another high level player. And then they're out the first round pick to New York, 
obviously, so that hamstrings them too. They're they're just in a really tight spot as as far as dealing, and they may need to set their sights a little lower as far as what they can do. I mean, I I do think like like everybody else, they're going to be looking for quality at the three four spot. Like uh, old friend Harrison Barnes, obviously, would be a great fit here now. Um, but I don't know what they can do to get in the game on him. Well, actually, Dallas kind of has some issues going forward here too they've got finney smith as a free agent he's yep. they're going to need to pay him like at least 10 million if not more than that you would think to keep him around he's i assume his market will be at the mid-level at minimum going forward they might need to even outbid that potentially and yeah they got that hardaway contract which i was i was not in favor of they made it a little bit better by making it declining but he can't really hit a shot this year and he can't defend he's also a little bit older so that's not looking like a good deal powell uh, not a great deal either though they need him right now with the, some of the issues that they have bullock is shooting under 30 percent from three this year but i mean to me their number one issue that's solvable right now is hitting shots but i think they may just need to rely on internal improvement at this point also luca just like can he get back to being where he was the last three years first as well because i don't know if i'd want to make a win now upgrade for this year if luca is not going to be in great shape and you know really able to carry the team in the playoffs so i think i i'm anticipating a relatively quiet deadline for the Mavs outside of the Brunson situation I think they just they haven't shown enough this year to me John to like go for it I completely agree with that so I I, they're probably more of an offseason team in terms in terms of activity maybe they do you know lots of teams end up doing something at the margins right like but it's not going to be anything mind-blowing it's going to be like you know the year we traded James Ennis for the right to swap seconds well here's here's the other thing too for them in the offseason they can trade their first rounder their 2022 they could trade it at the draft but they can't yeah. trade it now they can only trade it technically after the pick is made you can just make the pick for someone else but because they have that 23 first out there from the Porzingis trade to New York they can't trade 2022 right now because then they could potentially be without a pick and back-to-back years would violate the Stepien rule but Correct. yeah I think Dallas it's not going to be that sexy right now honestly um all right thanks for that Bill let's bring in our last one here is Brandon Abraham. Brandon, if you want to unmute, what do you got for us? Hey guys, thanks for having me on. Um, Y'all talked about Memphis earlier. I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on they have three first round picks in the upcoming draft. Obviously, no one in Memphis really thinks they're going to make a selection at all three picks, but do you see them, you know, throwing any of the first around? Um, you know, at the deadline or just wait until the offseason leading up to the draft to kind of figure out where to move some of those picks? Uh, yes to all. I, I, I mean, I, they're in a position where they can be aggressive and I think they probably will be to a point, but I'm just not sure the right guy is really going to be available for them to, to push in. So in that case, then I think they'll probably wait. But I mean, I think it's in their interest to see like, can they package, say, Kyle Anderson and Tyus Jones and, and get that, you know, big, you know, big wing three slash four guy who's probably kind of the, the missing link in their lineup right now and or get a get a true five who's more of a you know top 10 center in the league as opposed to 
Steven Adams. Like those would be the two things they'd probably be looking at. Failing that, I mean, they've been pretty aggressive about trading up on draft night. I, I think every pick they've made has been a trade up uh, since Zach took over. Uh, so I would I would expect them to try to pool their picks to move up on draft night. Yeah, and it's also I don't think it'd be the end of the world, particularly because the way the Lakers are trending right now, that pick could be it almost it's almost certainly going to be in the teens at least. Uh, their yeah. own pick actually is probably looking more like the twenties than that. that that Utah one obviously will be in the in the bottom five, but I, I think yeah, combining those picks to move up, or also this the way this team is structured, using all three of those picks wouldn't be the end of the world. Well, yeah, it would because they can't roster them all. I mean, they have too many guys. Well, um, I don't know. They, they can't roster them all. I don't know. They who are they? You know, Jarrett Culver will come off. I guess they'll they'll need to. Yeah, I mean, they, they might run out of space. You're you're right. I mean, the the who did they just sign for Sam Merrill? I can't remember. Killy uh, Killy and Tilly. Yeah, that's right. The so KDs. The KD stopper. <laughs> well, and or they could also maybe move on from some of the guys in the offseason. I don't think there's a great there's I mean, sure, you look around what you can get at the trade deadline. We've been talking about how they should be aggressive for a real difference maker. I don't think there's a, the incremental upgrade. I don't think I would be trying to move any of those picks for that at this point in time. But the, the reason I think it would actually wouldn't be the end of the world if they use all three of those picks is they don't necessarily need any of those guys to contribute next year. They can develop them. They're, they're so deep that it's like, oh man, you can't use three roster spots on rookies. That's not really the end of the world for this team because they have so much depth. They can afford to semi-punt on three roster spots and develop guys. And you, you've you mentioned this a lot of times that you can't pay all the guys that they have already. So maybe some of those guys could come in and be cheap depth pieces the way some of the guys that they previously drafted. Uh, all right, I think that will do it for today. Thanks so much, everyone, for joining us here on Twitter Spaces. We'll be back again next week at the usual 2 Eastern 11 Pacific. If you like this pod, tell your friends about it. We'll, of course, be hitting on all the topics of the day trade deadline we'll i'm sure get to all stars at some point soon as well and i'm sure we'll get many a comment about that in twitter spaces so uh, always great to talk to all y'all and we'll be back next week till then reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest but let me play devil's advocate here let's see so no that's a good thing uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem uh, reese's you did it you stumped this charming devil at Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.